When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Big hello to uh, all of you who subscribe and check out all of the uh, episodes and interviews every week. We have new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I always appreciate you listening, and thanks for the uh, comments and the places that you can leave comments. I always try to answer all of those as well. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, uh, whether this is your first time listening or you, you kind of come in and out, I, I do hope you, you get inspired to hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can find us at all the usual spots, uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, even over at YouTube, really wherever you get your favorite podcast from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with and, uh, and hit the subscribe. We'll take care of the rest. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm going to be talking with Katie Crutchfield of Waxahachie. The brand new Waxahachie record is called St. Cloud. It is an absolute perfect record. It's one of my favorite records of uh, 2020, and I feel so honored to get to talk to Katie all about it, uh, especially because it, it kind of features a turn in sound for her. I was also a big fan of the last record, Out in the Storm. It was a big rock record, and this isn't. This is what you would really more classify as an Americana record. And there's reasons that Katie's going to tell us about, uh, whether it's being inspired by you know some classic country artists or Americana legends like Lucinda Williams. In fact, Lucinda plays a big part of this interview as we both take some time to geek out, uh, not only about her, uh, her catalog, but especially her new record as well. But I want to hear about how, you know, kind of going in that direction really affects her songwriting, how it changes 
how she writes a song and her sense of place. You know, Waxahachie is a place. She named the band after a place. And there was a lot of pins in the map all throughout this new St. Cloud record. So I, I want to talk about why that approach has been so important for her and how it plays such a prominent role in this record. And one of those places being the Deep South. You know, if you're a progressive person, if you lean towards the uh, the left side, the liberal side, you know, sometimes you have to make a compromise with uh, with where you are. I certainly know something about that here in, the, in Louisville. And Katie does as well. So we're going to talk about that and then some of the songs. Lilacs, it's the first radio single. She says it was the last song that she actually wrote for the record can't do much what she calls an unromantic love song we'll hear about both of those as well so let's jump into this now discussing the record saint cloud it's kyle meredith with waxahachie hi kyle this is katie crutchfield the new record is called saint cloud and and i'm not blowing smoke up yet uh it's my favorite <laughs> record right now absolutely it's so good Thank there is you. so you know, like there's a lot of story in here and, and a lot of lyrics to hang on to, but there is so much melody that it's 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 almost insane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's really kind. Uh, before we get into it, of course, uh, you know, I'll hit the, the big subjects of the day because you've sort of been parts, uh, one of the one of the big phases, I would say, at least of this new live stream culture that's uh, that's had to take root. I just kind of yes. wanted to get your thoughts on what that experience has been like for you, too, like. Have you noticed a difference in the relationship you have with your fans through that kind of venue as opposed to the obvious, you know, in person? Totally. I mean, it's it's basically like two completely different things. On one hand, I feel like the lot, I mean, obviously, like you perform a show and you're like, it's more of a performance, you know, like you're you're kind of like embodying this like persona and you're you're singing your songs and it's there's like a wall between you and your audience. And, you know, th- that is obviously like extremely fulfilling and vital to performers but I think that this has been cool this has been a different thing I mean it's Kevin my boyfriend and I we kind of before we do our streams we like both kind of pace around the house like as if we were like backstage you know we're like we're like both I kind of get we get like nervous and stuff but you know it's casual we like we're in our living room we don't have to do anything we just turn our phones on and like we play our songs and play fun covers and just kind of it's just like fun and easy and casual Um, and it's really nice to get to talk to our fans right that's something that we don't you know he he definitely engages with his audience a little i'm a little bit more private and kind of like don't engage as much but it's been really nice for me to for us we take calls like we we talk to our fans and that's been really cool just another way to connect and um yeah i i it's it's been a cool thing for us to look forward to it's like a way for us to feel productive and like normal i it's been just like nothing but like a totally pleasant experience. Yeah. Now I, I know we're all in murky waters here as to what the future looks like, but uh, what's your opinion? Like, do you see this as something that'll survive if life ever goes back to normal? Like, is this going to be something that people kind of hold on to a little bit more? And and I guess you know you don't want to speak for everybody. You can speak for yourself. Yeah. I mean, we we did this stuff sometimes before. There there mm-hmm. were like occasion. We would do occasional lives where we would set up a phone and just you know jam in our studio and stuff and just talk to our fans. And that it was something we did sometimes. And I can see it being something that we we continue to do. It's funny. We have fun with it and then we get positive feedback from it so we're like i guess this is something that we should keep doing and it's been fun and whatever but 
Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think one of the reasons that we can do this right now is because we have nothing else to do. <laughs> right. I think, you know, once everything hopefully goes back to normal, we'll be a little bit busier. So it'll be less on the priority list. But I can see it surviving. I think people are enjoying it. Yeah. Well, it's a hell of a time to uh, to launch a record anyway. Uh, I can say that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it is it is a fantastic record. And I know there's a lot of different entry points for this, uh, especially, you know, it's it's never fair to compare uh, two records of an artist, but I think uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, at least I hear from artists that, um, you know, one record is a reaction in some way to a previous one. And that seems to be the case here. I mean, St. Cloud is, um, does sound like a reaction to Out in the Storm, uh, if nothing else, it, you know, musically or whatever, you know, Out in the Storm being a heavier record. Was going the Americana route, was that a natural thing for you, or, or was that something that you you really sought out and specifically wanted? It felt kind of both. I mean, I think that um, I'm not really sure when it happened. I mean, I, w- I was starting to, like, get more into that stuff. And, like, I- obviously I love Lucinda to Williams, and that was um, – you know, she was someone who I was really excited about and listening to a lot when I was writing Out in the Storm, but I just hadn't quite gotten as far into that by the time I was making that record. So I knew when I was touring Out in the Storm that it was not going to be like a sustainable sound for me. It was just, I mean, it was like a complete rock band. It was very, very loud. And a lot of the like the tone, the tone of it lyrically was cool and um, and very like necessary at the time. And I also was like, I don't, this perspective that I'm that I have on this record, the position I'm taking feels really specific to this one moment of my life. And I think that I want to shift that for the next album. So I kind of all those thoughts were swimming around in my head. And around that time, I made um, an EP with Brad Cook called the Great Thunder EP that's really stripped down. And I was kind of exploring like it was like, you know, some of the elements of my voice and my sort of tendencies that were like Americana light, I was starting to kind of explore that. And then I also did the Jason Molina demo that I heard, or EP that I did with Kevin Morby, my partner, and mm-hmm. and really kind of getting into the Molina songs and trying to sing like he sings. It's like I unlocked something. I was like, oh, I, I my voice is actually pretty powerful when I when I sort of take on this more like Americana sounding thing. And it's super organic for me because it's really how I started singing. It's like it's the way that I started when I was a kid was sort of leaning into that stuff and those influences. So it was kind of like a return to form in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the choices I've made on my past records, they've, they've been a little like affected, you know, like just because I'm trying to like my a lot of my influences are like lo-fi, garage rock, punk rock, indie rock, like that kind of stuff. And I think sort of taking that affectation away and just sort of like stripping it down to what was the music that made me want to sing, it, it all kind of equaled that. So that was sort of it was it was both like a choice. And once I made those choices, kind of a realization that, oh, this is really a return to form and, and, and pretty organic for me. I, I've talked about this before. It's always interesting to me how we, you know, real strong music lover type of people, how we usually always end up coming back to the music that we sort of rebelled against, you know, in our coming of age years, whatever whatever those were. A lot of times it's the stuff that our parents listen to. I, I can remember that I, you know, in my teens, I never would have said that I like Bob Seger or, totally. <laughs> or or that 70s, you know, river rock kind of thing or whatever. But, you know, then it yes. comes around, it's like, oh, my God, I love every Bob Seger song that he's ever written. You know, why am I denying I this? I know. You know, so God, it's... I love Bob Seger, too. Honestly, for me, it's Fleetwood Mac. I remember uh-huh. my mom 
loved Fleetwood Mac. And in my, like, teenage punk days, I was like, ugh, Fleetwood Mac sucks. <laughs> and then, of course, cut to, like, four years later, and I'm like, Rumors is the greatest album that's ever been made, you know? So we all come back around. And, I mean, for uh, for me, with this record, it's, you know, it's classic country. I mm-hmm. mean, it's Dolly Parton, it's Loretta Lynn, it's Tammy Wynette, all of these women that I grew up with. I was just saying in another interview, I honestly feel like, some of those singers, like they feel like my family. <laughs> I'm like, I, they feel like family members because of how much time I spent with that music as a kid. So it just, it felt so good to like return to that. And just, you know, I'm like, this is just, it's, in, it's etched on my soul. It's just part of who I am, you know. And of course, earlier you mentioned Lucinda Williams. And, and I know you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Lucinda. Uh, first, I've got to ask, like, have you been listening to the new, the new music? Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Like I know we've, we're playing. You can't roll me around here and, and Big Black Train. Like what? What's uh, Big what's, Black Train crushed me when I heard it. Unbelievable song. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, what's your impression of this record right here? Because I like it's reminding me a little bit. I, I think my favorite Lucinda Williams. I, I'll probably get some flack for this. I think my favorite record of hers is Little Honey. With a lot of people, I honestly, I've that's a hot take, and I've heard it a few times lately okay. and I am into it I'm into it yeah well, th- th- this stuff like especially you can't really it's kind of reminding me a little bit more of that I was going to get your take on, uh, on, on on how you're feeling about this album yeah totally I mean I agree it, to me I mean the thing about her that's so powerful and inspiring to someone my age I mean so I'm 31 and mm. it's my fifth album that I'm putting out and it is or that I've just put out and it's it's um it's unbelievably inspiring to see this woman who's been writing to me the best songs that have ever been written um for the last 40 years and Mm. she's still writing stuff that's so brilliant i'm just like that what an inspiration to me like that is all i ever want i don't care like it it's so cool to me i'm like i don't care about like the i don't really care about any of the success other than the creative success and it feels like that's what drives her too and Mm. it's so it's so inspiring to me so i think that it's great i think it's brilliant i think it's it's new and exciting. It's meeting her right where she's at. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a big fan. I think that she's the most talented. And, and it's just so cool to see somebody who's been at it for so long continuing to make stuff that's relevant. Because that's not easy for everyone. I mean, you, you get a lot of artists that, you know, it's, they go through their peaks and valleys. I just don't feel like she's ever really had that valley, you know. That, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always I completely good. agree. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think it's because that her priority is the songwriting. You know, that's that's the most important thing to her. So I think that's that really shows. Um, yeah. I think it's really cool. So, so when you're looking at that type of music and when you're kind of, you know, uh, changing your perception uh, in your, uh, you know, your direction, I guess I should say, of how you're writing a song, does the style of songwriting change how you actually write a song? Can you notice a big difference, you know, in, in that really fundamental way that you construct, you know, uh, music? Yeah, I mean... The process of making this record was a little different than it normally is for me. I mean, usually I'm sitting with a guitar or at the piano and I write the whole thing in one sitting. And and with this record, I really, um, I sat with melodies for a long time and, and aesthetic, like the aesthetics of the album, like the sonic aesthetics were something I was thinking about a lot. And I was also demoing with other musicians and kind of building up the songs instrumentally before they had lyrics. So I do think that the style, kind of like a loose idea of what the vibe of the music was going to be was very much in place by the time I was writing lyrics. So I think that that was cool and helpful and, you know, just kind of made the lyrics even better. Um, I needed that with this record. I, I, 
I got writer's block, you know, quite a few times. And it was really a labor for me to write the lyrics of this record. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One of them just being, I think, as we get older, as I get older and my voice gets a little bit more defined, my my like writer's voice, um, I feel like uh, I just get pickier. And it takes me longer to like to make every single word exactly what it needs to be. But yeah, I think that uh, having sort of an idea of what the the whole vibe of the record was going to be um, um, helped inform the yeah. tone of the lyrics, definitely. Well, a lot of these lyrics, too, and, and, and this isn't, you know, something that's new for you and everything, but so many moments of this record, you know, is tied to a place. Uh, and that's a trait that even stretches back, you know, even to the name Waxahachie, of course. For you, like, and we hear about that, you know, whether it's a song title like Arkadelphia or you're talking about, um, is the Mississippi River or the Memphis River? I'm, I'm forgetting which the Mississippi River, or Mississippi Gulf. That's it, yeah. Um, and then there's also the Mississippi River that I don't mention by name, but it is uh, there is a song where I'm driving over it. Yeah. What is it about that pr- approach in songwriting? Like, what draws you to, to having such a sense of place in, in your writing? Yeah, I've always had that. I mean, I, I think I want to tell stories and a big, you know, I, I want to put people in those places. I want to put people where I was and really like in as a, like a sensory way to sort of have them understand like where I'm at in the story. And so I think like kind of setting the stage in that way is really important. And sometimes I've done it in ways of like I've just mentioned specific like, you know, um, in Arkadelphia, I'm talking about like fireworks and trailer parks and, and tomato stands and stuff. And I'm just trying to like give you an idea of what I'm seeing. And then sometimes, yeah, it's like, it is the name of the place and proper nouns and things like that. So it's just being a storyteller. And I think on this album, I just took a step further into that. Um, I felt like it helped sort of build the world a little bit. And on this album, I'm jumping around a lot. It's a lot of flashbacks. It's a lot of, um, I'm in New York and I'm in Barcelona. And then I'm like in the deep South a lot. And I just, just kind of jumping around all over the place because that's my life kind of putting you in those places felt like just like a way to to tell the story in a in a deeper way it's a map that i'd like to follow uh if i'm planning a road trip one day i've i found myself even like watching the videos you know there you are on a bridge and i'm thinking like that'd be fun i want to go find that bridge you know or what it just it it really does work yeah amazing yeah the 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 deep south you know as you talk about uh i'm in I don't know. I'm barely in the South. I'm in Kentucky. It's, it depends on who you're talking to, of course, where we are. <laughs> right. You know, I find that I have to turn a blind eye more than I would like to to Kentucky uh, a lot of the time. I, I was wondering, for the, D, for the South, for you, do you have to compromise with the South and your feelings with it? Of course. I think that that is such an important part of my identity as a Southerner. And so many people I know who are Southerners. It's funny. I've like talked to a lot of people about this. I just did a, I just did an interview with this comedian, Whitmer Thomas. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he grew up in Alabama. Also, he just has had a special come out on HBO. And we, we talk about that a lot because we both grew up in Alabama and yeah, it's it's so interesting on one hand, like the South is so romantic and beautiful Mm -hmm. and, and so full of like burgeoning with personality. And for a creative person, there's so much there. I mean, there's so much to draw from. But then, of course, the politics, I mean, it's it's I feel like um, kind of having to live through all of that has taught me so much. So I, it's it's complicated. I think that that's the only word for it. It's yeah. very complicated. I have a deep love for the South. And yeah, and it's also just like it's very complicated. No, that's 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 the way to put it. I, I would agree with that. I mean, <laughs> the sense of American Gothic has to be one of the most, I don't know, to me at least, romantic pieces of art in, in whatever version it's kind of being pushed out 
from uh, and uh, you know every bit of that to me is is the is the south when i think of that totally yeah uh i'll i'll wrap up i, I do want to ask about a couple of the songs and um maybe in trivial ways too lilacs ended up being the first radio single and again just a fantastic song i have not gotten tired of it uh, i read that <laughs> you know this was the last song and i thought why does that happen so much why is it that it ends up being the last song that becomes for you know generalities uh, the hit you know, it's so funny. I mean, Fire was the second to last song, and Lilacs was the last song. And I think that that is, that's exciting. I mean, for a songwriter, it's exciting to think about because it, you could be writing a whole record and just be like, just follow your brain and just kind of follow yourself down this like rabbit hole. And eventually you could land somewhere really exciting. But I don't know. I mean, it's happened to me a lot over the years <laughs> where I've written like the first single first a few times and I've written it last it just depends but I feel like um that was a really exciting day I thought that I was done and I I felt really good about where the record was at and then when I sat down and wrote lilacs I wrote it very quickly and I was just like oh my god like this is really exciting this is really really exciting this is a big I think this is a big melody I think that this is a big chorus like I was just like very excited about it it's a you know you you know artists usually the newest song is the favorite song you know or the newest album is the favorite album but a lot of times even you know more so that new songs it's it's nice that it matched up that way that the the new song ended up being the one that was gonna or both of those it fire as well of course they got pushed out first too that uh you know, saw the light of day quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and and then with Can't Do Much, you know, you've talked about how this is sort of an unromantic <laughs> romance song in a lot yeah. of ways. I, you know, this might be a tired subject, but it is interesting to a lot of people when you have two songwriters that are, you know, in a relationship with together, and you've mentioned uh, Kevin Morby. When you write a song like this, is there ever a conversation that follows with that? Do you go, hey, about this? Does that ever have to happen with you all? Um, it has to. It's Interestingly enough, it happens, interestingly, because, you know, obviously, like, people know that's who a lot of, like, if there's a love song right now, that's who it's about. Um, Interestingly, we don't have to talk about it that much. I mean, he knows that song is about him, and and he knows what's about him, and same with with the the other way around. Um, But I think because we both are songwriters, we we just have a very deep understanding of, like, you chase the song. You mm-hmm. write the song. That's the most important thing. So, I mean, there's just, like, a cool, like, understanding of, like, yeah, write whatever you got to write, and I'm going to write whatever I got to write, and that's the priority for both of us. So I think that that's been really cool for, for both of us to just kind of have this unspoken understanding of, like, we chase the song. Well, I think if, you know, for any people that, uh, anyone who's ever had that idea of, uh, you know, how cool it would be to be immortalized in a song, it's probably the best way to do it. Just uh, get yourself in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> the best or the worst, depending well, on sure. what the song's like. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, I do love St. Cloud. It's such a good record. It is a perfect album. I'm so happy you did this. And, and Katie, it's been wonderful thank talking you. to you again. So thank you for taking the time today. Awesome. Thanks. You too, Kyle. I appreciate it. And um, well, yeah, you. take care. All right, we'll see you around. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my thanks to Katie Crutchfield. The new Waxahachie record is called St. Cloud. I cannot recommend it enough. Now, when I want to go ahead and include the, uh, the last time Katie and I uh, caught up. It was during that 2017 record, Out in the Storm, uh, which we got to talk about that album. She goes big on the music and the deeply personal uh, lyrics on that record, uh, which found some critics uh, referencing Weezer's Pinkerton, interestingly enough. 
It's a pretty high honor for any artist. Uh, part two of Kyle Meredith with Waxahachie. I'm in love with the record. I got to put that out there. Out in the Storm is just everything that I would have hoped for in this, uh, in this album. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, and I guess, I don't know, maybe the place to start is the album before because I feel like a lot of albums are said to be a reaction of an artist's previous album, but it sounds like this one is maybe even more so. Do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, I think that as far as like my approach goes, I definitely think it is. I mean, because I, I made Cerulean Salt, my second record, and Ivy Trip, my last record, with the same people, so kind of like the same approach. And I knew just like as far as like making the record like and collaborating with other people, I knew I completely like wanted to to go back to the drawing board and try something super different, which I did kind of in every way. Um, but then also lyrically, I think it's pretty, it's pretty reactionary to the last record. Um, I think partially just cause the last one's like very abstract. It's not super like literal and it's not, it's, it's all like rooted in my own experiences. I feel like that's just like how I write, but I, um, I think it's kind of cloaked in a lot of, metaphor and um and that was like a cool challenge for me i really wanted to write that record that way um but with this one i kind of go back to you know my roots and i'm writing things that are very personal and like experience based and like very very literal sort of just like almost like too intimate (laughs) well i was so at one point i'd listened to the record already a few times and i pulled out the lyric book and i decided to read it without the music on whatsoever because you can sort of you know, you find yourself reading along with the melody uh, a lot of times, and I, right. I found it, I, it. It sort of almost reads like a book, or, or maybe even like I just opened a box of letters. I think is is how it came across, or you know, maybe unsent or sent. I don't know, but uh, and I, I started sort of noticing those little moments in there, the uh, the, the re- repeating moments of cl- clenched hands and walking away and running and leaving and fading. It's like, oh yeah, no, there's definitely something going on here. Did this? Did the lyrics all come sort of at the same time? Because it feels like there's, you know, that one, not one mood. I don't want to say it's, you know, like monotone or anything like that, but it's definitely a subject. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, as far as like subject matter goes, it's sort of the most cohesive thing I've ever made. I wrote Never Been Wrong, the first song, and Faye, the last song, kind of like kind of like earlier on and then some time passed I think I like went on tour and then came back and I finished it and I think that's interesting because I think those two songs really highlight like two of the big sort of moods on the record which I think never been wrong and sort of angry and sort of confident and powerful and like a little bit messy kind of like you're in, in a fight but you're like maybe winning but maybe also kind of fighting dirty or something and then fade I think is like sort of sad and and sort of like sort of like rooted in like the actual emotion that you're feeling, which is this sort of like sadness for something to be ending. So I think that it's interesting that those are the first two. And then I kind of came back and sort of filled in the blanks or something. Yeah. So it really is kind of set up as a, almost like a story arc in a way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, 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 with the track listing, I actually let John Aniela, the producer, um, kind of take the reins a little bit because I didn't have a track listing really in mind. And so I think he did a good job. And I think lyrically it sort of fits. I really, I mean, the record really is like just different phases of like the same sort of situation, um, the same relationship ending, you know, kind of like but it's just sort of like different phases of that, highlighting different moments of that. So I don't, I don't think it's chronological, but it all sort of is about the same thing. 
and that title, I mean, there's there's something to pick apart in that title in, in a very fun way, Out in the Storm. I kept looking at the word in, like, as in it hasn't passed yet, and and the danger that represents. I mean, not speaking to your present situation, but, you know, the the character within the story. Like, that's in the middle of the entire thing. Yeah, well, that's kind of the one of the things about it that I love is that I think that it indicates that you're you're in the middle of something, but that's that's that thing, that chaos that you're sort of experiencing has an expiration date. It will end and you will kind of come out of it eventually. So it's like hopeful in that way, which I kind of wanted the whole record to be that way, to sort of highlight the the chaos and and to sort of be about the chaos, but for the energy of it to sort of like indicate like that this is a moment, it's not going to last forever and things are going to get better eventually, Um, which is very much how I feel about breakups in general or, you know, you know, it's just kind of like, it's you're kind of at square one emotionally, but time heals it and, you know, all that. So. Yeah, it's important to remember. And uh, what I saw that tweet or whatever by the, uh, I can't remember who it was, the electronic guy who compared this record to Pinkerton. And I thought, yeah. you know, as far as breakup albums go, that's like the highest compliment right there. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because it's like, you know, Pinkerton is an album that was so hugely influential on in me when I was like younger. And I never it's not something I was listening to actively when I made this album, but if like people hear it and hear that, I'm very flattered because I think that's obviously a classic record, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, as we talk about the lyrics a lot, and I know that's, you know, one of the main focus points, but I don't want to push aside the music too, because the music on it, uh, I, I, it adds so much power to these songs. Like you've made something big out of what could have been something very simple. And I guess what I mean by that is, like when I look at the song Silver, there's almost this repetition that kind of churns along. I think repetition that would make like John Cale and, and Lou Reed very happy, by the way, because there's a <laughs> lot of beauty in that. But, you know, as we talk about the lyrics, were you ever going for something specific musically? You know, not really. I kind of was just leaning into the melodies. And I think like in other on other albums I've made, I feel like I've spent so much time and been so meticulous about like what is influencing the record musically and like you know, we'll just listen to so many specific things and kind of fill my brain with all these influences and like, you know, think like, oh, I want this like synth sound on this song or I want this drum beat on that song. And like, I really didn't do that on this album. And I and I, I worked with my live band. Um, they recorded on the album, which is the first time that that's ever, I've ever done that. And I think that my live band has like such a specific sound that's different from my records. It's sort of always been a little bit bigger and like more sort of, driven and and powerful and um i really wanted to lean on you know my my drummer ashley arnwine and my bass player captain Simonetti. i wanted to lean on their their sort of specific styles because they definitely have have that especially as a rhythm section together so i think that that and we we tracked a lot of it live too so i think that that energy like going into recording i i really wasn't thinking about what a difference that would make but then as soon as we got it down i was like wow this is like this is its own thing this has kind of become immediately sort of taken shape in a way that i didn't really anticipate so i think that that was a cool a cool like surprise Uh, well it's all amounted to something really special like i said out on the storm is just a great record i love what you've done and i love all the attention that you're getting for it too uh, that's always nice to see. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Katie, it's been really fun talking to you. Thanks again for taking the time today, and uh, hopefully I'll be catching a show out on this tour. Likewise. Thank you so much. All Take right. care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And that interview back again from uh, 2017's run 
of the uh, Waxahachie record out in the storm. Again, the new record, though, is called St. Cloud. You have to check it out. So a big thanks to Katie Crutchfield, and uh, and again, thanks to you for listening. Before you get out of here, again, I hope if uh, if you're not a subscriber to the series already, you got inspired to hit that subscribe button. You can find us at all the usual podcast places like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, like Spotify or YouTube. You can also find us over there, wherever you get podcasts from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll get you new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It is a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover new artists and uh, and you know just know what's happening in music these days. After that, head to WFPK.org where I do a show uh, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on just about any social media platform, at Kyle Meredith. I hope you follow there as well. And that does it for this edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. So I listened to your interview with her as like a way to kind of like ease my soul. (laughs) Like, what did he ask her? Uh, So I just wanted to tell you that I loved your interview. Dude, that's so awesome. Hey, I'm Jen and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. (laughs) That's the only reason we call him that. No other reasons at all. Whatever. So every (laughs) Every week we take him through the encyclopedia of horror the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. And then we make fun of it, more or less. Or explain it's deceptive feminism. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. (laughs) And I'm the funny one. (laughs) Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.